Salt and Bone, a podcast about conjuring skills for the apocalypse. I'm Jenna. I'm a farmer, fermenter, forager, witch, and enthusiastic naturalist. I'm Kami, a supreme hyphenate artist, producer, organizer, etc., born in Scarborough into an Armenian family displaced from the Swana region. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm really excited for the show today. We have Tamara Siegel here with us from Hawthorne Herbals. And um, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, So I took an experiential herbalism course with Tamara last year or the year before. I can't remember now. Um, And it profoundly changed my life. And Jenna and I talk about um, plant medicine a lot, a lot. And so we thought it was time for the three of us to sit down and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Welcome, Tamara. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks Mm -hmm. so much for having me. Um, So, yeah, I'm a herbalist. I live not too far away on a farm that where I'm allowing the land to rewild for the most part. So I have a lot of wild plant medicines that I work with that are coming up over the years as um, the land changes and adapts and does what it does. And then I also have some gardens where I grow herbs, herbal medicines, as well as veggies. Um, I have a private practice there, so people come to see me for all kinds of uh, health concerns, and we work with herbs and other holistic supports to uh, support their health. And then I also um, teach lots of classes, like the the experiential herbalism course that you participated in, and I do teach some classes online. I go to other people's land and help them um, to identify the plants that are growing well. Oh, that's such a great... That's a great thing to have. Oh my gosh. That'd be so useful because imagine you like move to the country mm-hmm. and you have all this acreage and you just don't even know what you're looking at. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Oh, so in the last couple of years, because so many people have moved out of the cities and out to this area and all around to the to the country um, through the pandemic, there's so many people that are on new land that really are so curious. And it's interesting because I feel like there's this real hunger for connecting mm-hmm. with nature and with the plants in those people compared to maybe the ones who sold their land that that had lived here for generations and they just hadn't looked in the plants in the same way they kind of there's more of a taking for granted I mean I'm generalizing obviously but I have become a lot busier with doing that visiting people's land land. consults yeah that are new to the area that's how we met when you were new at your land right yeah Yeah. it was a lot you remember it was like very 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 wild because nobody had tended to that land for a long time and it was like giant it was it was like a jungle there was like giant burdock and like huge patches of goldenrod and so much nettle remember it was yeah it was a lot it, it was, was wild <laughs> and I've left some wild patches for mm-hmm. sure because I wanted to you know but um yeah that's that's how we originally uh connected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was great that you reached out to me for that so yeah I love doing the work I love um especially this new theme where all these new people are on their land and they want to know what's growing there and what I find a lot of the time uh, which is just fascinating is that um, a lot of the time the plants that are really appropriate for somebody like health-wise something that they need will be showing up in abundance around where they live and they might not even realize it and I'll point it out because you know inevitably they'll be talking to me about oh you know I always kind of struggle with this while we're walking around Mm -hmm. and um, you know or I'll point out the plant 
and start talking about how it can be helpful and you know and they'll say oh wow it sounds like I can really use this huh. it's like and we keep walking and it's like oh here's another patch oh yeah. look here's another patch oh wow you must really need this yeah. you know and so it's given me more faith in that the idea that mm-hmm. there's an intelligence a consciousness of the earth that works with us and it is it will respond to whatever energy we're bringing around there that's so great that you can be like a bridge and a teacher to people trying to connect with their place in the land in general that's great Mm -hmm. yeah and one of the things that you know we talk a lot about on this podcast is about how uh surviving the apocalypse requires a collaboration and relationship and partnership and community and so mostly we talk about you know being in community with other people and relying on each other but i Mm -hmm. that's why i was really excited to have you on the show today because it's like you are in relationship with the land right and like and the plants and the trees that are around you and that's also a collaboration mm-hmm. um, that is required to survive in apocalyptic apocalyptic situations right so absolutely and I think that's just deepened I've I've mm-hmm. kind of uh, come to really to trust in that more mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure over the last recently. two years as well oh, yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah um and I saw that you were doing some local or some of your Instagram posts about um, what you're pulling out of like the late season garden. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating because here we live in Southern Ontario. So we have hard frost in uh, like late October, November. And then we have, I would say like three months of hard winter, right? Yeah. Depending. It's getting warmer with climate change now. Like mm-hmm. we're sitting here and it's mid-December and there's going to be a rainstorm. It's 14 um, degrees outside. It's 14 degrees yeah. outside. Yeah. So uh, quite different than many Decembers we've experienced here, but it does make me feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I have skills to preserve food, grow food, forage for food, I still feel vulnerable thinking that I would have to go through a winter or three months of winter and not really have the best idea of what food sources I have mm-hmm. and how to nourish myself and my family and my community. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's really important that we're going to talk about this today and yeah, let's talk about kind of sources of nutrition and the late winter garden and how to like get yourself through the winter Mm -hmm. with working with the land. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have a few different, a few different thoughts around that. Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of a big topic, but um... (laughs) get it down to like five minutes. Well, you know, I, I think, I mean, one of the first things that, that, that comes into my head is, you know, it's wise to be thinking about this throughout the whole year. And so that when you have abundance, you're putting stuff aside. And with a lot of the herbs that we work with, they're, um, they're really nutritious. They're kind of foods, you know, um, a lot of the wild edible greens, like the stinging nettles, um, mm-hmm. the lamb's quarters, which is a garden weed, which is a cousin of spinach. And it's like a powerhouse mm-hmm. of nutrition, more nutritious than, than spinach, I would argue. Um, and uh, you know dandelion leaves, things like this, that we can eat fresh, but we can also dry them and we can dry them to make tea, which people normally do. And also because they're kind of, they're minerally, they're salty. I like to cook them into broths and mm-hmm. um, then you know you can put all kinds of good stuff in there and they're just um, Become giving- like hearty and like nutritious, yeah. Yeah, they really go right into your blood and nourish, you know. Um, so those are great, but also even just to use the dried um, greens, and you can do the same thing with greens from your garden, your kale or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and you throw that into your 
into your soups or your stews or whatever. And so, um, you know, with the stinging nettle in particular, it's uh, it's shown to have a significant amount of protein actually. Mm. So um, yeah, it's the leaves, the leaves, uh-huh. yeah, the leaves and, and the stems you can use. So um, so that's a particularly good one. And it's really cold hardy, so you can harvest it in the fall. You can sometimes access it on a day like this if you mm-hmm. know you know the weather warms up there are a lot of plants like that 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 are cold hardy enough that if there's garlic no mustard. snow garlic oh, mustard is another really still around i'm like die yeah, just yeah. die already it like, never die. Die. no thank yeah. goodness yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, sure. yeah. for me but you know on my, my line it's just like it's it's <clears throat> it's taken over mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah well i mean you know the invasives it's an it's a whole other kind of area to look at because um a lot of times they're showing up because uh they actually are bringing something that's really mm-hmm. needed i mean that's mm-hmm. generally how i'm looking at things and mm-hmm. so even though they're taking over uh you know maybe native plants that would have been there and uh you know they can be disruptive to ecosystems they're really just coming in because there already was a disruption in the ecosystem right. and once they show up uh, it's my understanding that long term they're bringing everything back into balance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're and in the meantime they're uh, filling in uh, wherever there was a gap created in the ecosystem because there was disturbance, and that can be for anybody in, in the ecosystem, including us. So they move in and they become a source of abundant food for us mm-hmm. with many trace minerals and garlic mustard, particularly lots of sulfur comp- compounds, lots of vitamin C. Um, really helpful for the immune system mm-hmm. and, and really helpful for the now. lungs like yeah there right now yeah exactly middle of winter. Yeah. so that's so so yeah so that's the other piece is getting out and being able to harvest the stuff that that is just hanging on as long as there's no snow you can access it mm-hmm. and so um being able to recognize all those wild greens something like the lamb's quarters that i mentioned that's really a that's an annual that mm-hmm. goes to seed and it's done. But when it goes to seed, um, there's another good source of protein and fats. Like I harvest the dried seeds and then um, just, uh, you know, break them up and winnow them and uh, cook them into my breads or oh, my nice. cookies or whatever. Yeah. Also, dock? Could you like... Yeah, you could eat yeah, dock seeds eat too. Dock seeds I haven't them. worked with them as much, but they are, yeah, yeah. they or are. pigweed too? Because it's totally, like an amaranth, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Pigweed, amaranth, you can eat the greens and you can eat the seeds. So there's there's a lot. Seeds are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grains are seeds. And then when you start looking at um, a lot of the wild plants that are producing seeds and they start to seem more like grains. I mean, amaranth is amaranth, right? So pigweed is just a, a cousin mm-hmm. of amaranth. That's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I'm curious, and I'd like to learn more about some of the grasses that are producing yeah. seeds. That, oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that might be. There might actually be a whole bunch of different sources of nutrients there. So, what would you suggest for someone like, for example, you know, before I found your course, I was kind of a budding beginner. You know, becoming interested in in herbs, I was making my own tinctures mm-hmm. and things like that. Like I was getting into it and learning about like my own cultural sort of relationships with different herbs, and then you know, I thought, well, I want to actually be able to you know, learn about what's growing around me because that's actually the most resourceful and efficient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough, of course, to find your course, but what do you suggest for people who are interested in getting to know what's growing on their land and, you know, like what would be someone, if somebody didn't have access to like a course like yours, because yours is experiential, you do it with us, right? Like mm-hmm. you walk through the land and you show us and mm-hmm. across all of the seasons and the iterations um, on the land. So I'm curious what tips you would give to people who are wanting to do something similar, maybe DIY or... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, the way that I learned initially was a lot from books. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I didn't have 
access to internet. There wasn't as much internet around when I started learning about mm-hmm. wild plants. And I, uh, there was this book that I got out of the library. I was living on Vancouver Island, and um, it, so it was a it was a West Coast plant book, although it actually applies to a lot of the country. Sure. Janice Schofield, um, Wild Plants of Western Canada and Alaska, something like that. Um, anyway, a uh, beautiful book. And uh, Was it and, your gateway drug book? Yeah, it was, totally, <laughs> it was like I just kept taking it out of the library. Like I kept renewing it and renewing it and renewing. And, and um, I would find that I would just, um, I was really drawn to learn about this. This was a big kind of passion of mine. Um, and so I would just read it and I would just be reading about a particular plant and then I would find it, you know, sometime mm-hmm. close by and I would know, I would see it and it was like, oh, you, you really feel like this is, this is you. And I would go back and look it up and I would, you know, and it was like, there, there is a feeling like that you can, mm-hmm. when you recognize a certain plant, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain. It's like they're your friend. Like after yes. I took your course, I started <clears throat> like, I would walk through, I'd just be on a walk and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, I know people here. Like I know everyone around me where I'm like, oh, and it, it's like, it's literally a new lens on the world where I'm like, okay, now I'm surrounded by friends. And if on this walk, if my kid falls and mm-hmm. gets a cut or brushes up against mm-hmm. uh, something that stings or gets stung by mm-hmm. something, you know, like I have friends around me and it was like a totally different lens than I had before where it was more extractive before mm-hmm. and and like after taking your course and watching the way that you interact with the plant and the land and just in relationship like asking permission and not just assuming that like the land is here for us to extract from mm-hmm. you know was like a really it was it was a it it switched like my understanding and paradigm of how to look at the world around me, which I thought was really cool. I find it really grounding and also really necessary for me to understand Mm -hmm. what's around me. And if I don't, I get, I'm very curious for one, but I really need to understand like um, what plants I can see and what trees are here and everything like that. I think, and I realized that this, this year I was like out in the woods with different people. And like, I realized my plant ID was like, great and I knew what was around me whereas other people were like I have no idea and I was mm-hmm. like oh wow I realized how anchoring it is for me in the world yeah right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's an orientation like it, it, it is you, an orientation yeah. I think that's a great way to describe that yeah yeah, yeah. it's a it's fascinating um actually what I thought was really cool this summer when I went to Armenia um you know different climate but like I, I was like oh this is a type of yarrow. I was mm-hmm. able to be like, this is an Armenian type or right. whatever. And it was really cool because like, I'm, as I'm learning more, I'm teaching Sana because sometimes I'm like, go outside, feed yourself. And they'll just like chomp on garlic mustard <laughs> yeah. and whatever they can find, you know, it's really funny. And um, so this year when I was there and we were walking around and they were like walking around identifying plants and a couple of my friends were there and they were like really impressed. They're like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, well you should, you know, yeah, this is right. really whatever. And Sana was like talking to them about like why it's helpful. And at some point, they um they got a cut they fell on a rock they were climbing they got a cut and i wasn't there a friend of mine was there and they like walked over and picked up yarrow chewed it up and put it on their wound and everybody was like really impressed and i'm like it made me think like oh we don't actually teach our kids enough about this stuff Mm -hmm. we teach them the like as children they're like here's a cow they moo and i'm like i'm gonna teach my kid how to like yeah like they get stung by something and you know it's it's maybe more important like what is sana gonna sana's probably not gonna interact with cows like to be honest you know what i mean Uh, i don't live on a farm but (laughs) i do live in a place where these things are growing around us you know absolutely this is so wonderful i'm so glad yeah it's been really cool and then just outside my window there is that goldenrod 
patch that mm-hmm. when it dries up, every year the chickadees come through. Oh. And it's like, it's always around the same time of year when they go to seed. And this year I was going to, I was just sort of doing clearing and I was going to just, I was cleaning up and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to like clean up this patch over here. So like I encourage new growth for later. And then I was like, oh no, I shouldn't cut this down because then the chickadees won't come back. So it's also like you're, there's that thing of like, oh, cutting down these weeds or cutting down whatever you're taking, you're also taking food away from plants and animals or you're disrupting it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, or also like insects who are burrowing in in plants for whatever reason so yeah absolutely and that uh, makes me think of actually other potentially other sources of food too right like in the goldenrod there are um those uh those borers those little guys yeah the goldenrod bugs i forget what they're called but they um they burrow inside and they mm-hmm. create those galls mm-hmm. and uh lay their eggs in there and um and that that the, those larvae are apparently edible and quite tasty actually i haven't t- tasted them <laughs> um but other other forest uh <laughs> wild food people that i know talk about that oh, and uh, and there's quite a bit of that so so that could be that's a good source yeah. of protein and fat yeah, and all yeah. that stuff i never thought about um, bugs, bugs. Yeah. yeah i think we should do an episode on insects oh yeah you yeah, totally should do an episode on eating insects eating eating, eating? okay yeah. I'm but also like you know round table insects yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i love a good bug so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you could really yeah <laughs> talk about that for sure so let's say like we need to keep our bodies functioning we've got the greens that we've mm-hmm. dried or mm-hmm. we can source on when the snow is kind of gone or we know where they were mm-hmm. um protein's really important high fat mm-hmm. high energy mm-hmm. because you need to kind of keep your body going mm-hmm. um you need like all the calories you can so mm-hmm. we're assuming we've kind of touched on like you might have access to fresh meat that mm-hmm. is a great nutrition mm-hmm. source but you're gonna need to back that up with plants mm-hmm. and fruits and, and as you said at the very beginning the best thing you could do is plan all year Ahead. for the winter yes. like you know it's gonna get cold you start cutting wood you start like getting your heat source figured out you start getting your foods figured out absolutely yeah yeah so um you know that's that's definitely true but another um source of nutrients so we also talked about the seeds which would be mm-hmm. protein um and fat but they're pretty tiny and so you know it's quite a job to mm-hmm. harvest mm-hmm. them at the same time when you're working with wild foods it packs a pretty good punch and you don't actually need to eat as much i think we're coming from this uh, oh, paradigm yeah. <laughs> of plenty where you get a whole bunch of empty stuff and it fills you up and it bulks you up and yeah. you know and we're mm-hmm. gonna and, and we're moving into more of no 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 everything you take in is going to be people are full but serving. they're not nourished that's right sure. so you're more nourished and you're and and some of these plants that we're working with they're kind of they're wild foods and they might also be medicines so that you don't you know for some of them it's not ideal to be taking a lot of them but they really affect you and they really can Mm. can give you a lot so um but another one we didn't focus on was roots which Mm, um you know of course in the fall and through the winter if the ground if you can get in the ground then there are a lot of edible roots that you can eat the burdock the burdock is Huge, 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 wonderful immune support if you cook it into soups or stews. It actually um, has quite a bit of fat and it actually works in a lot of ways in the body with fat. Like Mm -hmm. it helps you to absorb, clear, work with fats in many ways. Um, It's kind of, I I don't fully understand. I don't know that any um, 
anyone fully understands how it works, but it has this real relationship with the glands, the um, with fat absorption, with the liver, with um, hormone production, mm-hmm. anything that is in relation to where we need fats to um, <laughs> to like engage in the process. Uh, burdock is in there and um it even like it has a bit of a nutty flavor which kind of points to that mm-hmm. um and if you make uh, i like to make burdock vinegar where i chop it up and put it in um in raw apple cider vinegar and that nutty flavor really comes through yeah. it's really tasty uh it's also a tremendous source of many trace minerals with those deep tap roots anything that grows deep in the ground if it's edible it's taking up a lot of good um minerals and it's a particularly a really good source of iron, so um, mm, that can be really so helpful. Yeah, yeah. And can you dry it? Or yeah, is it okay? Yeah. So it stores pretty well because yeah. it's a root vegetable. You can you know store it in a root mm-hmm. cellar, but you can also chop it up and dry it, and and, right. and the same way we do with dandelion root and mm-hmm. chicory root and other herbs that are kind of not as tasty. They're more medicine or. You know, you can roast the dandelion chicory and make a yummy coffee substitute. Yes, but yes. it's um, in terms of food, yeah, the burdock would be the best. It's it's uh, it has a little bit of bitterness, but it's also quite sweet. And then it's got this like fatty, nutty element, and so it's quite a tasty root. It's a vegetable in Japan, gobo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's a good one. And then around our area, we have. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the yeah. wild parsnip, <laughs> right? With its, its mixed reputation, right? <laughs> you know, talking about invasives. Um, you know, it's a major invasive. But it's such a good source of food, mm. and we can control the population of it if we dig out the roots. And um, so sometimes it helps to actually dig some of these things out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain to people about that plant and how it can hurt you. Yeah, very yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll mention I have so Hawthorne Herbals. I have a YouTube channel, and you can I do have a couple of videos there about wild parsnip, so you can see what it is and oh, how excellent. to work. But um, yeah, so so the wild parsnip, uh, it's the the juice of the plant, the sap in the plant, plant the above ground parts um, the stem or the leaves or whatever it gets broken and it gets on your skin and you get some of that juice sap on your skin and you're in the sunlight there's an interaction between the sunlight and your skin and the sap that can cause a severe burn and if it's on one part of your skin and then you touch another part of your body it can spread it's a it's like an oil so if you keep it out of the sun and wash it like it would deter from a full reaction happening that's right yeah so first and foremost recognizing what part what parsnip looks like so that mm-hmm. if you get that broken plant on your skin you know immediately then, to cover, yeah, yeah immediately cover it up go and wash with soap and water mm-hmm. and you should have little or no reaction but what but people can get really severe like you know sev- second degree burns yeah. from being in the sunlight having sure. on their skin and they didn't realize because it doesn't happen right away it happens I see, over, I time. See over time and um and so how do you harvest the root then so well the root so the interesting thing is that uh, wild parsnip is exactly the same genus and species as garden parsnip yes. that we grow yeah so you got to be just equally as equally careful with the parsnip in your garden if you grow it and um so the roots, of course, don't do this. It's only the above ground parts. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that if it's a really cloudy day and there's no sun uh, that you can that your skin is oh. experiencing, then it's a better time to do it. But you know, if you really want to be extra safe, and especially if you've had a burn from it before, your mm-hmm. skin's more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Then you want to wear gloves, long sleeves, just protect yourself so that in case it does happen, it won't get on your skin. And yeah, that's all. The root is good, you know. Right. Um, and that is, I mean, I like to go for the wild parsnip, uh, particularly in the early spring when um, mm. the ground has thawed. We are at our lowest supply yes. of food for the year. Yes. <laughs> and that's, you're getting it right out of the ground. You're getting food fresh from the ground, you know. So, yeah. 
It's a really good one to work with. Other vegetable crops, because we're talking about wild parsnip, garden parsnip. You can keep carrots in from the fall and dig them up in the spring as long as you can work the earth. Cabbage lasts forever. Really? Yeah, a lot of people do that. They'll like dig up spring carrots after they've okay. been through the whole frost. Brussels sprouts, kale, the brassicas, they last forever. Um, and they'll they come sweeten. back. And they sweeten. They yeah, sweeten, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The Brussels they like sprouts, the they sweeten. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a lot so of vitamin C in those as well. Totally. All the oh, cabbage yeah. family stuff. Good. Any yeah. vegetable you can grow in store, like squash, you can keep for such a long time. But that's a whole other episode of root cellaring, really. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. That is a whole thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. And then other roots, like any any variety of thistle, mm-hmm. uh, the roots are edible. So, um, yeah, uh-huh. and they're quite mild and soft and tender. Yeah. And, yeah, you just cook them into your soups or whatever. There's wild carrot, which is Queen Anne's lace. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of really, really being clear on your identification there because there are some cousins of that that can be quite lethal. So you need to know for yeah. sure that it's that hemlock. that's what you're getting. Yeah, <laughs> like the water hemlock. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I, I always make sure that I throw that in there (laughs) yeah um I think one thing I'd like to do this year is kind of explore more wild flower sources because I feel like that would be a hard thing like we rely on bread so much mm. and flour in so many of the ways that we uh, eat. Ah, flour. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So kind of making like, I really want to make acorn flour. I want to try yes, that. Yes, me too. And that's so high fat. Yeah. you got to leach the tannins, but... And then collecting like dock seed and pigweed seed and mm-hmm. lamb's quarter seed and trying like a wild flour combo. Making, yeah, yeah. The um, the cattails too Ooh, can yeah. be a really, really good... Both the roots and the um, pollen off the flowers are can be made into flour yeah How about trees like I feel like there's that's a whole world of medicine and I don't know about food but medicine that well you know I have a lot of faith in the elms another Ooh. big um, mm-hmm. species that we have around here that if you let land rewild it'll come back so mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of elms coming back at our place and the leaves are edible as quite um, quite a like Mm, you know they're they're green but but if you eat a, an elm leaf you'll find it's really substantial like it feels like oh mm. i got something oh, from that you know uh they're thick they're very mm. mineral rich they've got all this mucilage so all these carbohydrates um and uh put in and, stews and stuff yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and and the leaves are best in the spring like that when they're fresh you know because yeah. they get a little which is yeah. a good time like as yeah. you said spring is, is you know you're running low on supplies so. totally and and then you can dry them and then you can use them oh, later cool. so uh, so people freeze a lot of their greens but i really like to dehydrate them mm-hmm. and, ju- and then just they last quite a long time it takes no energy electricity also, yeah right, exactly yeah, yeah my freezer dehydrated. is like full and yeah. right i'd rather like keep your... stuff in there that needs to be frozen like absolutely meat, you know or yeah. Like I don't, yeah so to have just jars of these greens is pretty yeah. good and you can also work with the bark of um, yes. of elm and mm-hmm. uh and so slippery elm bark is one that a lot of people know mm-hmm. uh, and that is a really good throat. food source oh, for sore throat but yeah. also you can make a kind of um you just blend the powdered bark with water about equal parts or maybe a little more water you make a kind of paste it's a pudding or a mm-hmm. gruel it's actually pretty sweet it's pretty tasty mm-hmm. um sweet for a plant not like sugary sweet <laughs> but um because it's got all these carbohydrates all these complex sugars and uh it it is you know it's slippery it's got all this mucilage that will soothe your sore throat but it'll also soothe your gut so a mm-hmm. lot of people that have like serious gut issues they'll use um sipriam bark as a medicine where it's just sipriam powder and they'll eat this thing and it's nourishing and it also heals the gut but the nourishing part is you know, pretty significant. And with slippery elm, 
it's a little more endangered. It's been, you know, the Dutch elm disease took it down yeah. and um, it's so desirable because it's really, really mucilaginous and it has all these healing properties, but actually all the elm species have similar healing properties, mm. maybe not quite to the same extent, but they're there. And now I feel like a lot of the elms have um, come back from like the Dutch elm disease isn't taking them oh, down really? as much. If you let them grow, huh. they will, you know, some of them might get Survive, hurt but they become resilient potentially exactly yeah. mm -hmm. so that's something i'm really encouraged by as i've led our land rewild just seeing all these mm -hmm. elms come up learning them identifying them and then you know just welcoming them and then sometimes they grow up as weeds like they're growing in places where i, I can't have them and i will move them but sometimes it's like okay no i'm gonna you know <laughs> i'm gonna actually cut you they're little baby plants so now i've got leaves and bark and mm -hmm. so that can be a pretty good source of food food yeah. slash medicine as well. I think trees would be, there's so many things that they can offer in terms mm -hmm. of nutrition. Like there is kind of like the inner barks, as you were saying, I was mm -hmm. reading about birch flower, like not mm -hmm. the outside, but the inside next birch layer, you can make into a flower. I was like, wow. And then yeah. birch do syrup as well in the spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. The evergreens yeah. are just like and all evergreens. year long. So much you know, vitamin it's C. Dead of winter, yeah. and my kid is sick. I'm like, okay, I got you. you oh, know? yeah, yeah. I can make a tea with virtual all of virtually all of the evergreens, and yeah. you know, and uh, put some honey in it, and they yeah. they chug it down. And the nuts too, like that are yep. produced. If you can beat the squirrels, and actually, <laughs> I was reading, and it was like one tip is like if you follow a squirrel and see where it's stashing all its nuts and then take a portion of it for yourself like obviously you don't want to be like haha thanks for doing the work for me yeah, but, yeah. you know they <laughs> need to live the as squirrel, well yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think this aspect of really acknowledging the environment you know uh, like we can get in this place where we're we're in apocalypse in apocalypse mind and we're thinking okay what am I going to do to survive myself and my family and it's me against you know the world mm -hmm, yeah. versus um just recognizing that we all have a role to play and we're all engaged in mm -hmm. this thing together and and, and sort of maybe alone. yeah shifting yeah. that paradigm and yeah. then realizing yeah and we're in relationship with the land and if we respect what everyone else on the land needs mm -hmm. the land respects us too yeah. and we're also we're being more cognizant and we're paying attention to that we notice what's yeah. showing up that's actually for us and yeah. so you know i feel like that's a big piece in thinking about how we're gonna yeah and like shifting survive. from a scarcity to an abundance mindset mm -hmm. also yeah. right because it's like this thing even during the uh, the beginning of covid when people are like socking up on stuff i'm mm -hmm. like okay folks like there is there is enough like mm -hmm. we have enough you know and even with the land, like you think, you think um, the way that people will kind of exploit certain plants mm. and really interesting, for example, like cannabis, I have some strong feelings about the, <laughs> how, you know, it's just becomes, so, it's like exploiting it, but where it's like, well, you can, it's, it's actually, it's a plant, you guys, like it's a plant, it grew, it grows outside <laughs> and, you know, it's not just a product for us to whatever. So there's that also that mindset of like, it's, it's everywhere actually it's everywhere and there is enough as long as we shift our you know ideas of of that so, yeah and let your curiosity guide yeah. you and seeing what is around you yeah and, yeah working yeah. with the land and mm -hmm. yeah I feel like that's an important piece that you know I think for some people it's a matter of moving out of that fear reactive state to mm -hmm. uh in order to really get mm -hmm. that idea yeah. on a cellular yeah. level yeah because so many people just look out in their yard and be like, uh, all I see is grass. 
right yeah, that's in like you know but if you're aware of plants and your land and you're working with it, it's like i can look out and i can see that there's plantain there's yarrow i've yeah. got wild grapes growing over there i've got hops yeah. i've got dried fruit on the orchard like so many things i've got pine i've got cedar i've got medicine plants you know mm-hmm. yeah plantain is a big one plantain i feel like is oh my God, plantain. plantain dandelion i just like I, like i just want one one day where i'm just like just exploring you know what <clears> people <throat> perceive as weeds right oh, yeah. i feel like that changes your idea of of it entirely you know perhaps yeah. we can uh join again with tamara and the tamara in the spring and uh maybe talk about some of the invasives that come up and best ways to use them Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I would love to do that. Okay. I would absolutely love to do that. Thank you, Tamara, for joining us so much. Again, Hawthorne Herbals, where can people find you? Oh, my website is hawthorneherbals.com. So it's also um, Hawthorne Herbals on uh, on Instagram and Facebook. I even have a little Telegram channel. So um, <laughs> I throw stuff up there and uh, Hawthorne with no E at the end. Um, so we'll have the link in the description. Very good. Everybody. And I saw on your website, I was exploring before you got here, you have a winter elixir recipe and there's lots of other recipes up there. There are some recipes yeah. up there, and sometimes I throw them up on the social media, and uh, yeah, in the in the courses that I teach, I have one going on right now, which is called Home Apothecary for people mm. that you know, so you can make medicine with what you have at home or what you can easily get. Um, so uh, yeah, then I throw in lots of recipes and those types of things too. So and anyone who you know, feel free to reach out to me. I'm I'm pretty you know, approachable and friendly and stuff. So <laughs> happy to chat with you. I can, I confirm. I confirm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tamara. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram at Salt and Bone Podcast and write a review on your favorite listening platform. Let me know.